God, we're going to um, turn in our Bibles this evening uh, to First Thessalonians chapter five. This time, and if you're here last week, we um, started our series um, on the study of eschatology. And for to- for those of you uh, theologians out there, you know that as a study of the last things or the last events, the last days, the things that that are going to happen in the end. And last week we looked at the wonderful study, the wonderful understanding of the rapture. And the rapture is all about when Jesus comes back for his church. In the twinkling of the eye, Jesus will come and take his church, take the people who believe in him. And the Bible says we'll be caught up literally taken away, caught up in the air, and we'll be with the Lord forever. It's a fantastic uh, uh, premise, and that's what I wanted to start the series on, talking about the rapture, my, possibly my, fa- my most favorite event that's going to happen uh, in the last days. And in these studies over the next couple of weeks, uh, there's many things to talk about in the last days, many things that are going to happen, many things that are set up to happen. Many things we can look at and understand what they mean. Uh, Many things we can kind of speculate what we think is going to mean based on what the Bible has said previously. So we're going to look at many, many things, some in detail, some at a high level uh, as we go through these last couple of weeks. And I think it's important to do that uh, so we're all clued up, we all understand uh, what's going to happen and what we should expect uh, in these last days. Uh, And it's important. So right now we're going to be looking and continuing on uh, on from the rapture, uh, talking about uh, uh, the coming, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And, and it's very important. Last week I said uh, it is repeated uh, in the Bible. So some stats uh, about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Out of the 27 books of the New Testament, 23 of them have reference to Christ coming back again. We understand that it was, under, we, it was an important topic that needs to be spoken about. One out of every 30 verses in the New Testament relates to or refers to Christ coming back again. For every prophecy in the Bible that there was of Christ's first coming, there are eight which looks forward to his second coming. So in other words, every time you see in the Bible someone prophesy about Jesus coming the first time, Times that by eight and you have the prophecies of him coming the second time. So it shows you the importance the word of God places on this very subject of Christ coming back. That gives you a view on on how we should look at life. You see, because most uh, religions, non-Christian religions, they have this uh, philosophy that uh, life has this cyclical view or cycle in, in life where things just go on and on and on. The Hindus, for example, they believe in the wheel of life. It's like an endless going around and around. You die and resurrect again into something else or someone else or an animal or something. It goes round and round and round. Has no beginning, has no end. But the word of God shows us we have a linear view of history. In other words, there was a beginning. The creation of all things where God spoke everything into creation. There's the middle with Jesus Christ, the cross, the resurrection, and there will be an end, and that is the day of the Lord, because this isn't going to last forever. Isn't God is not going to tolerate some of the nonsense we see going on in society forever. 
God's wrath is not going to be just held up. There's going to come a time where God's wrath and judgment will pour out on the earth. And today we're going to follow this along from our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Last week we looked at the end of chapter 4. We're starting in chapter 5 and we're going to consider this as I look at the sermon called The Day of the Lord, God's Judgment. 1 Thessalonians 5 We'll be reading from verse number one. It says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in a night. But when we say, or when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. Verse number nine says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. I want to consider firstly with you uh, the day of the Lord. You see, in our text, we have this uh, phrase uh, that Paul emphasizes here, and it's the phrase I just said, the day of the Lord. Um, unlike what we spoke about last week, we spoke about the rapture being a moment in time um, that could happen at any point um, where the church is gone. We're whisked away. Um, we're literally, uh, think about millions of Christians just whisked away in an instant. Um, we're talking about a moment of time that was last week. Well, unlike last week, um, when Paul Paul is referring to the day of the Lord. He's not referring to a single day or a single moment of 24 hours. What he's referring to is a time period. In other words, the day is, is, is not to be taken literally. It's to be taken as a period or an error or a timing of something. That's when you hear older people, older gentlemen, older women, they say, back in my day. Right? They're not talking about a specific day. They're talking about, you know, back in my day. I used to be an athlete. Or back in my day, I used to look like this. I used to weigh this. Back in my day, I could fit into these trousers. Come on now. <laughs> back in my day, I used to have a hairline. You know, listen, when you, it says all these type of things, right? It's talking not just about one day. It's talking about a, an error, a time. So when Paul says the day of the law, we're not to take this as a specific day. We're here to take this as a time period. And in this time period, we're presented with two themes. One is God's judgment and the other is God's salvation. And this phrase, the day of the Lord, is used in many times in the Old Testament, especially by the prophets. For example, Isaiah chapter 13, verse number 6, the Bible says, Wail, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. 
This is the word of God given as prophecy concerning Babylon. In this case, God will come and judge Babylon, pour out his judgment on Babylon, thus giving salvation to the children of Israel. We'll also see this in the prophet Jeremiah receiving a word from God concerning Egypt. In Jeremiah 46 and verse number 10, the Bible says, For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge himself and his adversaries. We're talking about a time period, a, 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 a moment, an era of time where God is bringing judgment. Zephaniah, Joel, Ezekiel, Malachi, they all speak about using this phrase, the day of the Lord. And we see in the Old Testament, this type of judgment, when he's talking about a people or a nation, it is a foreshadow of God bringing judgment on the entire world. When we look at the, the, the words in the Old Testament, we take this as symbolizing or foreshadow of what's going to happen in the future. And this is no different. God's wrath and judgment will be poured out on the world. Matthew 24, when Jesus speaks to his disciples about the things that are going to happen in the future, he says in verse number 21, he says, Then there will be a great tribulation, such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Revelation 3 refers to this same time as the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Jesus is talking about a period, a time where his judgment, the Lord's judgment is going to come and we're given an insight again in verse number 29 of the same chapter. Jesus says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, skip down to verse number 30, Bible says, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Here Jesus is giving us an idea of the sequential order of events that's going to happen. He says immediately after the tribulation, that's when Jesus is going to come in all his glory. So in the day of the Lord, there's going to be a time called the Great Tribulation, as Jesus calls it. We'll have a look into that in, in uh, sessions down in a couple of weeks. But this Great Tribulation, Jesus says, after this is when Jesus is going to come in all his power and all his glory. So what about the rapture? Last week we spoke about the rapture. When does the rapture happen? Well, in 1 Thessalonians, our text here in verse number 9, Bible says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whatever we, so whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. So in this text, we see that the day of the Lord is a time period as opposed to a day. We see that the day of the Lord has been a common theme in the Old Testament and is a foreshadow of what's going to happen to the whole world and also we see the day of the Lord has a sequential order it has the rapture it has the great tribulation and then the revelation of Christ we see in order things need to happen we're going to be whisked away there's going to be a tribulation for seven years the Bible says and then Jesus Christ is going to come in all his glory now what's the reason for all of this what's the reason we're talking about this and we're spending time here well the reason which brings me to my second point is preparation 
You see, because the temptation of mankind is to look at these things. Okay, say, well, when's this going to happen? And when is it? That's why the disciples asked Jesus, tell us when these things will be. And we already discussed last week about the futile effort of trying to understand exactly when these things will take place. That's why in our text, Paul says, concerning the times and the seasons, you have no need that I should write to you because it's a waste of time. I'm not going to tell you exactly when this is going to happen, but I'm here to tell you that it is going to happen and you should have some preparation. So the problem is, we don't know when it's going to happen, but Paul gives two solutions in his test. And this is where I'm going to spend some time in this sermon today, is the solutions that Paul gives us to the problem of knowing exactly when the day of the Lord will come. The first solution is, don't worry about when it's going to happen, just be ready. Paul is saying, don't focus on, on the time. Don't focus on, okay, is it going to be this year? Is it going to be that year? Try and configure out, look at you doing the math in terms of looking at the old prophecies, 70 weeks, what does that mean? You know, don't focus on when, just focus on being ready. And he does this by giving us two illustrations in his text. Verse number two of our text, it says, the day of our Lord comes as a thief in the night. The problems with thieves is that you don't know when they're going to come. Come on now. I don't know if anyone's been, ever been robbed here before. But if you've been robbed here before, you didn't know it was going to happen. Did you know it was going to happen? No, you did not, right? You didn't know it was going to happen. I remember I, 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 I was driving my, my Fiat Punto. Come on, I've told you about this car before. That was, that's one of, my, that's one of my, you know, my classic cars. Fiat, I called her Nightshade. Come on. I spray painted the, the, the alloys black and everything. It was fantastic. I bought a new sound system. And this was back in the days where you had to take sound systems off when you leave the car, right? I bought a new sound system. I was in an impact team doing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Parked my car outside the church. I was like, this is a church. Come on now. I didn't, I, something said to me, take the radio out. Just take, I thought, nah, it's a church. I'll just leave. And I left it, locked the car. We came back. The windows smashed. The radio's gone. The boot was open. The clothes in my boot was gone. My wife was riding. She was my girlfriend at the time. Her clothes in the back was gone as well. Uh, she still married me. God bless her. Amen. But the reason why I was shocked is because I didn't know that the thief was going to come. I had no idea. Had I had known, I would have been prepared. So that's why Paul gives this analogy. He says that the day of the Lord is going to come just like that. You ain't going to know. It's going to be unexpected. You're not going to understand exactly when it's going to come. It's going to be like a thief in a light, uh, like in a night, unexpected. You know, I picked up an article uh, and I saw a video. It's talking about uh, uh, a place in California, uh, Norco, California. There's a local convenience stores in the areas. They were getting robbed increasingly. Like every single day, uh, a convenience store was getting robbed. And in those places, they carried guns out there. So they're robbing them at gunpoint and so on. Uh, just every day, people, they were taking cash. They were taking uh, produce. They was, they was doing everything every single day. Um, and they targeted this, this one particular store where the owner was 80 years old. They targeted it. They said, listen, he's 80 years old. This is going to be simple. The problem was, he was ready. <laughs> He didn't know when it was going to happen, but he knew that it was going to happen. So what he did, he got CCTV all around his shop. There wasn't an area of his shop that he could not see. Um, he got himself a rifle, not just a pistol. He got himself a rifle. <laughs> he was ready and he had it just by the side of his counter. And he had his big screen where he could see everything. 
These guys pulled up to his place. Uh, they pulled up uh, like just outside the car park, thinking that they can't, that he can't see them, but he could see them. They got out of their car. They had this AR-15 rifle, semi-automatic rifle. They had ski masks, put the ski masks down. They psyched themselves up, walked into the shop. Unbeknownst to them, he's been watching them all this time. They step into the shop, say, put your hands up before the words can even come out of their mouth. The, the guy, the 80-year-old guy pulled out his rifle, took out a shot, shot the guy in the arm. The guy was screaming. The getaway driver was screaming. He actually drove off and left the guy there. He was just completely gone. Why did he not get robbed? Because he was ready. He didn't know when he was going to come. He didn't know when a thief was come. But he says, I'm going to be ready. Church, I want to be like that 80-year-old man. <laughs> I want to find myself ready that when God comes, when God comes down, when I hear that trump, I'm not going to be surprised. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to say, Lord, here I am. I've been preaching your word. Here I am. I've been reading your word. Here I am. I've been in communion with you. I'm going to keep myself ready. The second analogy Paul gives is one of labor pains. He says the labor pains of a pregnant woman. Now, childbirth is a miracle. It's an absolute miracle. I mean, it's only when I started having children that I, have, I actually understood that everything has to align up, like everything, temperature, time of day, time of year, time of month, everything has to align up for children to be born. It's an absolute miracle. Um, and, and one of the things I remember about uh, um, pretty much all of them, but the first one in particular, Naomi in particular, uh, we'd never done this before. So uh, there was a time of time where she's come full time. Um, we don't know when the baby is going to come, but the baby is going to come. So I had to prepare myself. I had to be ready. Listen, we had, a, we had a, a system at work. I had my phone with me at all times. I said, if you ring, I could be presenting in, in the middle of a boardroom. I'm going to stop what I'm going to do, pick up my phone and come and see what's going on. I was ready. We didn't know when it was going to happen, but we knew it was going to happen. I had to ready myself. It was quite exciting because I was thinking, this baby's going to come at some point. Any moment now, this baby could come. The anticipation, it was crazy. I was thinking, this could happen any time, I think it was like 2 o'clock in the morning when it actually happened, she kicked me out of bed saying it's happening right now. She didn't know it was going to happen, but the labor pains, when the labor pains come, listen, you got to start getting running. When the water breaks, listen, hey, that baby is coming. And putting these two illustrations together, we see the element of surprise that the woman has, but she knew that she was pregnant. She didn't precisely know when she was going to give birth, but she knew she was pregnant. So putting these two together, we can say that the day of the Lord will be sudden and unexpected like the thief, but also be sudden and unavoidable like the mother in labor. We can put these together saying suddenly the day of the Lord is going to be upon us. It's going to be unexpected. Suddenly the day of the Lord is going to be upon us and it's going to be unavoidable. You can't stop this. So the first point that Paul wants to give us, the first solution is be ready. The second solution he wants to say is stay sober. Look at our text in verse number four. It says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope, the hope of salvation. 
Paul is uh, colourful with his imagery in this sentence here. He's saying, uh, he's using a, a, a familiar imagery that we can kind of understand what's going on here. He uses light and darkness. And we understand that light uh, uh, symbolises righteousness. Um, that's what, John, uh, what Jesus said in John 8 verse number 12. says, then Jesus spoke to them saying, um, I am the light of the world and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness uh, but have light uh, of light. He uses the imagery light and darkness. He also uses the same imagery day and night, similar connection with light. He also uses the imagery asleep and awake. And this is to do with being effective or being idle. This was the indictment that Jesus had with his disciples when he went into the garden of Gethsemane to go and pray. He says, stay here, watch and pray. I'm going to go and pray. And we know he came back multiple times. And what were they doing? They were asleep to the point where he says the third time saying, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. It's to do with being effective as opposed to being idle. And the last image he uses is being drunk or being sober. And now that word sober is only found six times in the New Testament, but it's to do with being calm, collected, being aware. We need to be in a state that we need to be aware. You know, I'm a really deep sleeper. Um, you know, once, I hit my, once that head hits the pillow, I am gone. Um, I always say to my wife, listen, I'll, when I'm awake, I will protect you all day long. <laughs> if I'm sleeping, somebody robs the house, I don't, hey, <laughs> I, I won't hear it. I, I'm just gone. Because, and that's, and that's the image what we get when we're sleeping. And we just don't, we're just not aware to the surroundings. We're not aware to what's going on. And can I say that there are some Christians, and there are some church leaders that are asleep. Talking about all sorts of things. Talking about, oh, I got a tattoo last week. Just nonsense. Just wasting sermons with breath. Wasting breath. When people are dying out there, the Lord is on his way back. And we're talking about all sorts of nonsense. When we should be awake saying, listen, the day of the Lord is at hand. Getting people ready to meet their maker. Getting people ready to be caught up in the air. Because when that day comes, there's no do-overs. There's no, sorry, can you wait five minutes? Let me get myself together before we go when that appointment comes it comes we need to wake up we need to be sober we need to be alert you know the reason they don't allow us in this country to drink and drive is because you cannot uh, actively or, or control a motor vehicle or really control anything when you're drunk you can't control your, your, your faculties. You, you can't then go to your intended destination. And, and then there could be disaster. Same with our life. If we're constantly just uh, distracted by things and we're not sober, we're not aware, we won't be able to see the enemy attacking us. We won't be able to see the doors that we've left open to our life uh, to where the enemy can come and get a foothold in your life. If you're not aware of certain things, if you're not sober, you have to be sober. You know, one of the things that my pastor taught me was um, don't even let an accusation uh, come against your name. In other words, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of everything. Be aware. Because the Bible says that we have an adversary. An adversary that is walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Paul's 
letter to the, to the church in Thessalonica is, guys, you need to be sober. And I want to kind of come to my third point and conclude here about the day of the Lord, about comfort and hope. You see, because Jesus, in Matthew 24, when he told his disciples and spoke about the things that are going to happen in the future, he concluded and said, See, I have told you beforehand. Jesus Christ told his disciples these things beforehand. We can pick up the word of God and see what is going to happen in the future. We can understand the day of the Lord is coming. and It comes with judgment, but it also comes with salvation. The day of the Lord is going to be a day of rejoicing for people who believe on the name of Jesus Christ. The day of the Lord is going to be a day that we we shall uh, swap this corruptible for incorruptible. The day of the Lord is going to be a day when we're going to receive our inheritance as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. Come on, the day of the Lord is the pinnacle. We're going to, there's no more suffering, no more pain, no more setback, no more barrenness. We're going to have all that God wants us to have and we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus said, the word of God shows us these things, gives us these signs that we can be ready. We can stay alert so we don't miss our flight. I love verse number nine in our text. It says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. The day of the Lord is approaching. And I'm not going to tell you when, because I have no idea. I'm not going to try and figure it out based on prophecies and numbers. No idea. I'm going to take Paul's advice and be ready and stay alert. Church, this is a call because the things of the world are very, very good at taking our eyes off what we should be ready for. The things we have and live and work for in the world have an ability to take our eyes off things that actually truly matter. We can do those things. We should have a job, have a career, have a family, look after all these things, but not let them take precedence over being ready and staying sober. Church, Paul has given us a warning right here, right now. Um, and this, you know, in the, in, the, in the day and age that they wrote it, they was eagerly waiting the day of the Lord. And, you know, thousands of years later, we're here, we're here still eagerly waiting the day of the Lord. Some people have fallen off thinking, oh, we've been saying this for centuries. And, but listen, be ready and stay sober. If you get to nothing from this sermon, just take those two statements. Be ready and stay sober. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. The day of the Lord... God's judgment.